2: Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast. I'm Brandon Karam, alongside Belly Up Sports beat writer for the Boston Red Sox, LJ LaFiora. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast, your one-stop shop. We are for seven days a week baseball content. We keep rolling, still have not missed a day since opening day. LJ, I leave college, uh, so let's see, people will be hearing this Thursday morning. I leave college on Friday. Then we, me and you, will both be back home. We'll be able to actually go to our office space that we have to record. We'll be together, LJ. A lot of things are going good for us these next few days. Summer's starting. The weather was great today. In a great mood.
1: Absolutely, Brandon. Do you know what's even uh, makes me even happier? What's that? We have so far two correct answers on today's trivia question. I love it. Um, yeah, no, again, if you haven't heard, um, we have trivia every day, name the player, and whoever gets it first gets two points, whoever gets it at any other point in time gets one point, and whoever ends up with the most points by the end of the year will receive a belly up sports t shirt, as well as the MLB daily t shirt the first official either the first official one, or the entire belly or entire mlb daily collection if we end up putting out one beforehand and getting impatient, um brent brent honestly i've got to tell you the strategy here just seems to me to be just copy whatever batflip podcast puts down until they uh either clearly get it wrong or miss a day and then you can make up some ground on them but it, whoever whichever one of uh of um matt and damien is answering these i i don't know but they have beat me yeah i i've been trying so hard to find a way to stump these guys and they cannot that it just it can't be done
2: i think we gotta make them harder like actually or just less hints. what can i do brandon less hints, less hints
1: less hints he did he got sam howard without one yeah this no, is a I random was, ass reliever uh, <laughs> on the pittsburgh pirates that I happened to luckily find a question for. You couldn't get it. I, well, well, I can't I tell anymore.
2: everyone that if you would like to participate, make sure you're following us on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. We will be posting trivia questions Monday through Friday, every day throughout the season, and of course, podcasts seven days a week throughout the season. But LJ, we had another crazy day in baseball my team did something that's really cool that i want to talk about here at the top uh shall we get into it yeah let's do it all right rangers and yankees the yankees got two runs top of the sixth on a tyler wade triple and dj Lemayhu sack fly but the big story tonight was Corey kluber nothing short of sensational takes a no hitter into the ninth inning gets Charlie Culberson to ground out, David Dahl the line out, and then Willie Calhoun to ground out to complete the no-hitter, the Yankees' first no-hitter since 1999, uh, and Kluber's first of his career. This is the second straight day we've had a no-hitter as we had – Spencer Turnbull throwing one yesterday, just a few weeks ago. We had John Means throwing one, Wade Miley's throwing one this year. And LJ, we're going to talk a little bit about all those no-hitters this year uh, in, a, in a bit of length uh, in a minute here. But as for the stat lines tonight, Kluber uh, it improves to four and two. Of course, nine innings, no hits, no runs, only walks one batter and strikes out Nine. The loss goes to Rangers starter Hyun Jong Yang, five and a third, three hits and two runs. These two will wrap up the four-game series today with Domingo Herman facing Dane Dunning. LJ, the amount of no-hitters that we've had now is ridiculous, so much so that I have actually lost count. I don't know if it is six, seven, or eight, depending on how we count. Well, I know we count Madison Bumgarners, but... I honestly
1: it's one no, more than whatever the MLB does. I think we are at seven now.
2: Seven. Uh, still seven through it's not right. This is the seventh week of play that will end like this this today, Thursday will be the seventh week of play that concludes in the league. So seven and seven weeks. That's one a week.
1: I just I I I don't know what to say anymore because. The, it can't be the pitching again I gave so much respect to the pitching early on because I mean they certainly have been putting in the work it's not easy to do this still but the offense has just been so bad this year that it's no wonder they do it it's they're not even trying to just make contact with the ball at this point it feels and it to me for me it's taken away the significance of the no hitter Brandon I completely understand and get. I fully get behind you being excited with Corey Kluber. It's your team. That's your guy. You deserve the right to be. If it were Nathan Eovaldi doing this, it would be, I would be the same way. Although Nathan Eovaldi might be a hot take. Probably the most apt to have a perfect game out of the group that if you threw him into the group that had the no hitters, probably the most apt to do perfect game.
2: Him or Rodon. Yeah. I mean Carlos Rodan was very close. John Means um, was very close. So yeah.
1: Carlos Rodon, um
2: He hit I, a batter I, with one out in the ninth. So
1: Oh gosh, I forgot about that. Um and then John that,
2: Means the only guy who reached was on a drop third strike.
1: But in terms of okay, yeah, so like but again, like in terms of expectancy, uh Carlos Rodon. 53rd percentile in walk percentage yeah nathan is in the 84th so if you're assuming if it, assuming that nathan ivaldi does not allow a hit he is probably the most likely of that group to not allow a walk yeah so yeah nathan ivaldi for perfect game my campaign starts now
2: but yeah uh, uh as for Corey kluber i'm gonna talk about him on the ppp of course but yeah, the Yankees' first no-hitter since 1999. Uh, and, LJ, now, we didn't mention it last night, but so the Seattle Mariners have been no-hit twice this year. The Texas Rangers have been no-hit twice this year. And the Cleveland Indians have been no-hit twice this
1: year. It's – there's so many things wrong. The sad The sorry. The bad thing is the fact that there are so many things wrong with the competitive balance of the league in terms of the way that teams aren't spending money. They're just overall kind of tanking for the future without actually tanking because that doesn't do a lot, a ton, a ton of good in baseball. However, the bright side is it's got a lot more going for it than other leagues. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, baseball currently has a brighter future than basketball. I'm sure of that. Eh, that's debatable, but... Brandon, Brandon, viewership has dropped twice, back-to-back years, from record low to record low now. Wow, You've got
2: I guess I didn't know that.
1: 45, 45% decrease in um, viewership since 2012, and you've got the albatross that is the WNBA on your books. Um, yeah, no, I mean, they've, just, they've done everything they can to push away their audience baseball at the very least hasn't done that uh, yeah
2: they I mean I mean baseball's trying but they haven't done anything so outlandish I guess like the most outlandish thing they've done is these small rule changes the reason why I was a little bit hesitant with the NBA is because I think of like three guys like Luka Giannis Zion are going to dominate the league over the next 10 years like there's your future right there and it's, you could say the same thing with with baseball with Acuna, Soto, and Tatis, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think overall they're they're at least in a better position to keep their market than the NBA has because they've done everything they can to piss off their fan base, not even on the court. Yeah. Um, where were we? Shall we get on? Yeah, we had yep. a um, – White Sox twins. Nelson Cruz lifted off a dinger to start scoring. From there, Adam Eaton and Urias Garcia – Drove in runs. The White Sox beat the Twins two to one. Brennan, this was yet another great start tonight. Lucas Giolito gets the win. Eight innings, two hits, one earned, 11 strikeouts. The loss will be given to Matt Shoemaker, the bad beat of the evening. Um, six innings, two earned runs, and the save will be Liam Hendricks's, his ninth.
2: All right, on to the Mets and the Braves. Top four, Jonathan Villar hits a home run to make it 1-0 New York. Bottom five, the Braves get three runs. They get a Guillermo Heredia single, Charlie Morton single, pitchers who rake, and a Ronald Acuna bases load walk. In the top of the seventh, the Mets retake the lead on a Jose Peraza double and Tomas Nito single, making it 4-3. In the bottom of the eighth, The Braves are able to tie it up on a William Contreras single, making it uh, 4-4. We jump to the bottom of the ninth, still tied at four. Ronald Acuna Jr. steps up, launches his 13th home run on the year, a walk-off win for Atlanta. They come away with a 5-4 W. Will Smith takes the win for the Braves. Charlie Morton, who got the start, six innings, two hits, one run, and eight Ks. Jacob Barnes with the loss in the Mets bullpen. And it was David Peterson who got the start for New York. Four and two thirds, five hits, three runs, and five Ks. The Mets have the day off, and then they'll play Miami on Friday. Atlanta hosts the Pirates today, and that will be Will Crow facing Drew Smiley.
1: Brandon, I've been looking forward to this one for hot, more than a hot minute. Oh, I can't wait. Red Sox Blue Jays. Kike Hernandez got on base to lead off the game, which set up a two run piss missile for Alex Verdugo. Next came JD Martinez, who schlonged another piss missile to right center. The Sox had two more in the first before the top of the lineup arrived in the second, and Kike Hernandez tallied a piss missile of his own. The Red Sox lamb basted Ross Stripling with their bats scoring six runs in two innings with three piss missiles. Marcus Simeon and Vladdy Guerrero drove in runs in the middle innings, then trailing six to three in the eighth. Christian Vasquez says, Mr. Barnes, your services will not be needed today. Unloading a 2-2 piss missile to left field. The Red Sox win it 7-3, to give the win to Garrett Richards. He went six and two-thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs and five strikeouts. The loss will go to Ross. Sox ripped him a new one, stripling. He went three and two-thirds of an inning, allowing six earned runs. Next up, Nick Pavetta versus Steven Matz. Where's the Tylenol?
2: LJ, you are very excited uh, for a team that is the second AL team to 26 wins because you guys could have got to 27 but shohei otani put through a wrench in that uh plan
1: i would i would more i would more say that i'm upset about last or two nights ago more than the shohei otani thing yeah I'm kind of cool that especially seeing his career is now done
2: yeah and we're gonna talk about that uh later it's over <laughs> showtime is over we will certainly get out of that uh after oh that was fun after the game recaps but Nats and Cubs top third the Nats take a 2-1 lead on a Trey Turner single and then a wild pitch would later score Turner that's how they got their two runs top five Juan Soto goes yard to extend the Washington lead to four to one a late home run by Javi Baez for the Cubs makes it four to three but it's not enough the Nats win this one by that score Max Scherzer gets the win now four and two on the year. He goes five innings, allowing five hits, two runs, and eight Ks. Jake Arrieta takes the loss now four and four on the year. Five innings, seven hits, four runs. Brad Hand uh, gets his fifth save on the year for Washington, and these two will meet again today. Joe Ross faces Trevor Williams.
1: All right, Rays Orioles. Two home runs by Trey Mancini were not as effective as the two home runs. By Randy Arosarena, the Rays came back from trailing five nothing to win nine to seven. Give the win to Ryan Thompson. Ryan Yarbrough, the starter today, went six innings allowing three earned runs. The loss will be given to Paul Fry. John Means went six innings allowing four earned runs, and the save will be Pete Fairbanks's. It's his first on the year. Rich Hill will be on the mound for Tampa when they try to shake the Kremer, Dean Kremer.
2: Yes, Dean Kremer. As a Yankees fan, I feel like he's pitched against us a, a lot of times. Will uh, Will
1: the, the Kremer be shaken tomorrow?
2: We'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, it sucks for John Means tonight. You know that was the only real talking point for Orioles fans. LJ, he took a steep drop on the WAR uh, leaderboards. Wait till I Oof. look through it later. But it's it's not good for for Orioles fans. Oof. Onto the Giants and the Reds. The Giants open up scoring in the top of the fifth with a Mike Talkman single. Damn, I missed that guy. Yankees should not have traded him away. But the return we got isn't terrible, so I can't complain. But Talkman was an awesome player. Uh, That made it 1-0. That score would remain until the top of the ninth when Buster Posey comes through with a bases loaded three-run double, makes it 4-0. San Francisco pitched. Very good all night. They only allow three hits in this contest. They win 4 nothing. Kevin Gaussman with the win, and he's now 4-0. Oh, six innings, one hit in eight Ks. He has been everything that they could have asked for him. He is a true ace this year on this staff, which LJ uh, made the take the other day that the Giants have the best top three rotation based on... This year's stats like they have the best top three pitchers in the league and honestly with the way that Kevin Gosman's pitching absolutely I have to agree with that I mean now through 59 innings on the year he has 67 strikeouts a point eight whip and a 1.66 era I mean that's ace numbers easily. The loss to Wade Miley, four and four on the year, who goes four and two thirds, six hits in one run. San Francisco's won four in a row, and it will be Johnny Cueto facing Tyler Molly today.
1: Yeah, Brandon, I'm telling you right now, mark this down: um, two nineteen a.m. May twentieth. The Giants will come out on paper with the best overall rotation by the end of the season.
2: I'm writing this down right now. The Giants will come out on paper as the best overall rotation this season.
1: Realistically, my defense for this, LJ, you have a top three right now who looks genuinely great. And Brandon, you can agree, we're now a month and a half into the season. Most of the fluke guys are out of the picture at this point you know? Yeah. But the majority know. of them, which means they're all the guys that are still here are doing something right. So as much as these guys will regress a little bit back towards their mean, it's going to get, it's still going to be very good. Then you've got Johnny Cueto who has not looked great since coming back from injury, but I, I think he'll turn that around as well. And the fifth man in this rotation is Logan Webb, who is severely underperforming his talent right now. Yeah. So don't don't be shocked when no one wants to face this team in the end of August.
2: Uh, if you don't mind, can we jump back to that Rays-Orioles game? Because I just realized yeah. Tampa Bay has won six in a row, and the AL East top four teams only have a game and a half in between them. I mean, that's kind of why we call it the best division in baseball, right?
1: mm well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's about the competition. It's about having at least cons- consistently having three teams that care. The, the Blue Jays are granted. Oh, really? All right. The Blue Jays have always cared. but They
2: always care because they always want to spend money. They have money to spend.
1: They, they always want to spend money, but they stopped and took time to do things right this time around and get this young core that they can build around. So I can't blame them for not being successful over these last couple of years. You've got four teams. Who genuinely want to do things right in Baltimore?
2: Who is trying to do things right in a in what could be a very successful rebuild for them?
1: In the, in the Baltimore manner, they're trying. Yes, yes. Will, will, will it actually will it actually amount to a consistently legitimate team? Probably not, but they're trying. Give them a break. We'll, we'll give them a break. All right, this is the game. Another game I was looking forward to here: Indians Angels. Tied 1-1 in the fourth, Jared Walsh hit a go-ahead dinger that was nullified in the fifth by a home run by Cleveland's Jake Bauer to left center. Josh Naylor drove in the game winner with a sixth inning infield single, the final 3-2 Cleveland. Give the win to Aaron Savali. He went seven innings, allowing two earned runs and eight strikeouts, the loss to Tony Watson. Shohei Ohtani went four and two-thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs in five strikeouts. The save will be James Karen Shax. I believe that's his fifth on the year. Did not write that down. Ohtani was pulled after he re- only was reaching 90 to 91 miles an hour all game in those four and two-thirds on his fastball. Today will be Lewis Thorpe versus Alex Cobb. Brandon, I think showtime might be over.
2: That's for a guy who on that first Sunday night baseball against the White Sox, that's April 4th, I believe, was throwing 101, 101 miles an hour in the first, second inning, third inning, he was hitting it. And to be down at
1: 90 and 91. Well, I think Matt you just exposed an even bigger thing here because his average for the season has been around 96. Hmm. So somehow he has managed to go from the beginning of the season up by 100 to averaging through a month and a half 96 and now being pulled because he's throwing 90. Uh, Something's got to be be up there. And this is not the first – again, this isn't the first time. This is now the third time that he might get shut down as a pitcher.
2: I mean, to be fair, he didn't pitch bad tonight. No, he didn't he didn't he still has enough stuff that's very good where he can get swings and misses of course that splitter which Statcast classifies as like a cutter i guess or a slider it's very weird the way they classify pitches anyways of course we talked about that pitch how it's basically unhittable friend uh for for pitcher or for hitters but He's lacked control this year. I mean, third percentile and walk percentage. This is a guy who is, like, very up and down as a pitcher. Yes, he has great stats this year at 2.37 ERA in 30 innings and way more than 1.5 strikeouts per inning, but I don't know. It's just, like, watching him pitch makes me feel uneasy sometimes. It's just, like, he he, he walks too many batters. He He throws too many balls for it to be, like, a very – you know, a dominant performance in my mind. And to see his fastball down at the 90s tonight does not make me feel good about whether it's his elbow, whether he's fatigued. I don't know
1: what it is. Brandon, I'm not doubting the fact that he can't get outs right now. He clearly could. He probably could have pitched longer. However, if your fastball is falling that much in a month and a half and it's falling that much in one night, there's there has to be something wrong. There's no doubt in my mind that there is not something going on with Shohei Otani right now. And that's probably going to be at least, what, a month and a half, two months?
2: I mean, let's not assume anything because he didn't – after the game, they just said that he was tired or whatever they said is, whether it's cover or whatever. But
1: Yes, and Lamar Jackson just had cramps.
2: Yeah, and and, uh, Paul Pierce had whatever he had. Uh, but but like i just i don't know if it, the it angels pains lose,
1: me to say because i angels, think it would be great for the game mm, sorry
2: no i was just gonna say you know mike trout's out six to eight weeks if the angels lose otani i mean At what point do they just try to trade away everything they have? Whether it's Fletcher, like, can they even trade away Fletcher, like a guy like him? They just signed him to an extension on opening day. Yes, that's
1: that's an incredibly team-friendly deal. But Um,
2: what what even moves would they make if they lose both Trout and Otani for a couple months? Well, you you move first thing
1: you do is you move Iglesias back to the Red Sox to be their bench shortstop and make me happy. (laughs) Um. No, honestly, I mean, reali- realistically, if they lose Otani for any reasonable amount of time, even if it's just as a pitcher, or maybe, maybe if it's not just as a pitcher, if he's still able to hit, maybe not, but definitely if they fully lose him, you shut down Randon for at least another 10 days. I'm not sure. I haven't seen him play today. However, he was laboring to get through games in that Red Sox series. He I'm not.
2: He was over four today.
1: I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced that he shouldn't be taking a little more time to rest. Mm. I think you shut him down for for a hot minute. Um, in terms of things you trade. I don't know. You see, the thing is, they've got a lot. They've they've got stuff that won't be able to come off their books. Um, everything you've got in the pitching. I mean, what harm would that do? Quintana, Bundy, Bundy. Um, Iglesias, both Iglesias's yeah. probably get something for, it's just, you can, you can get a decent return for all of the complimentary pieces,
2: just prospects, right?
1: It's got to be, prospects. it's got, oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be prospects. And then you basically end up starting with a fresh slate for your role players next winter with that. And you can, you can maybe try to do a little better. This time around, you can try to go get that pitcher. I'm not really sure who's who's on the market this year.
2: I'll have to look, but you know that's a great point. Also, I just remembered that, of course the the this was the last year of the Pujols contract, so mm-hmm. they have that money to spend. And clearly, we saw that they wanted to add another big contract when they came in second for the the Garrett Cole sweepstakes.
1: Um, I believe also Dexter Fowler comes off. Yes.
2: Uh, well, they traded him. So, or no, he traded to the angels. That's right. Yeah. So.
1: And, um, how far out is Justin Upton?
2: Let me see right now.
1: I don't even know the number, the figures on Justin Upton's deal. However, I just remember that it's not, it's not value.
2: (laughs) So as for Upton, Upton will be a free agent after the 2022 season. He's getting paid twenty three million this year and twenty eight million next year. Here's what they here's what comes off their books: Fowler sixteen point five, Cobb fifteen, Iglesias nine, Quintana eight, Jose Iglesias three, and then of course the Pujols thirty. So they have so basically sixty million dollars that will be coming off something like that.
1: So what you're telling me right now is every single name that we legitimately mentioned there, with the exception of David Fletcher, as trade candidates, actually ended up being people with expiring contracts. So that worked out marvelous. Uh, as for people
2: who, are, who will be pitching free agents next year, Cindergard, Clayton Kershaw, Scherzer, Verlander, Granke, Lance Lynn. Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gausman, Corey Kluber, Eduardo Rodriguez, Dylan Bundy, uh, Trevor Bauer if he opts out.
1: Okay, so nobody.
2: Kevin Gaussman. I mean, Kevin Gausman
1: will not make it to free agency. So you can write that down too.
2: Hershaw staying. Cinderguard. Cinderguard maybe. maybe Cinderguard
1: staying. is irrelevant.
2: I think he's going to come back and pitch good this year actually. He's going to
1: come back and pitch good. He's not a one. He's a two at best.
2: Yeah, I don't know where they go at that point. But, we're uh, looking for. On to the next recap, which is the Rockies and the Padres. LJ, Fernando Tatis, his first day off the IL, he decides, I'm going yard. Bottom four, his 10th of the year to make it 1-0. Bottom six, Jake Cronenworth with an inside-the-park home run to make it 2-0. LJ, I don't know if you saw this, but this was a legit inside-the-park oh, yeah. Hits it off the wall. Ball just keeps rolling, and he is so fast. I mean, he, that was very impressive, but that makes it 2-0 San Diego. Tatis in the bottom of the eighth isn't done. He rips a double, extends the lead to 3-0. San Diego wins by that score. Joe Musgrove with a fantastic start tonight. Improves to four and four, seven innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, and 11 Ks. The loss to Chichi Gonzalez, now two and two on the year, six innings, four hits, two runs, and six Ks. Mark Melanson with his league-leading 15th save on the year. And now San Diego's won six in a row, nine of their last ten. They are very hot right na- right now. They have the day off. They'll face Seattle on Friday. Colorado will face Arizona on Friday.
1: Brandon, um, I'm not sure if you meant, I didn't hear you specifically mention it, but I may have just missed it. Um, That was a triple away from the cycle for Tatis.
2: Yes. Arguably. Very, yes, very interesting.
1: Arguably, he could have gotten the triple. (laughs) Uh, If I were him, because he got one down into the left field corner I would have just gunned it. I mean, he stopped at second before the ball was thrown in, but I would have just gunned it down. I mean, it's a triple. It's the cycle. uh, You won the game. um, But, no, I mean, Tatis literally just said – to, literally just got COVID in a 3-0 count and swung. <laughs> That's basically what just happened. All right, Tigers-Mariners. A Kyle Seager homer got – the early lead but two runs in the second and another in the third sent rookie Logan Gilbert packing. Harold Castro drove in three more runs for the Tigers and they beat the Mariners six to two. Give the win to Tariq Skubal. He went five innings along two earned runs and nine strikeouts. The loss to Logan Gilbert he went two and two-thirds of an inning along three earned runs throwing 74 pitches. Brandon what are your thoughts on Logan Gilbert so far?
2: Uh, two things. First, Tariq Skubal was 0-6 coming into this game, gets the win, so he's 1-6 now. Love to see it. Tigers won two in a row. Logan Gilbert. Yeah, uh, of course, he makes his debut the same day that Jared Kelnick makes his debut. And uh, Gilbert has been struggling uh, through his first two starts now. He's gone six and two-thirds, nine hits, seven runs, two home runs, and seven Ks. I mean... It's still very early. This kid was picked in the first round for a reason. Uh, He's only 24, which I guess you can't really say only because he was a college pitcher. You know, you expect him to be at least producing something at the big league level. I mean, obviously, they aren't going to throw in the towel yet. It's way, way too early for them to do that. Only two starts in, only nine innings of uh, MLB action. But something we're going to have to keep a close eye on because... You know, if he is unable to do well this year, you know, it's not like they really have a lot of places for him to be. I mean, would you rather just have him be up in the majors, keep struggling, or do you send him back down to AAA for a couple of starts at some point?
1: Brandon, he doesn't make it on this roster through June.
2: If he, it's not like this. Yeah,
1: it's not an indictment on his talent. It's a simple matter of the game is just a little too big for him at this point in time. Like, that there just shows me – 74 pitches is just the part that gets me. Like, you clearly are laboring to get through these innings. And I I watched the entirety of his first start. He did not look bad by any means, just it was a lot.
2: It was like two mistakes, right, those two home runs? One double yeah. play Ramirez, I think. It was just a mistake.
1: I mean, I just – yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, yes, this was certainly this will certainly be a good first cup of coffee, but if it keeps if it keeps looking just a little bit too big for him, then that's not going to be something where he grows by working through these outings. It's also not going to help him grow if he cannot work through the outing because he's throwing too many pitches. Yeah. Like if you if you're throwing 74 pitches in less than 3 innings, like i think for you to be able to say that you're working through bad starts to learn you have to at least be able to go five yeah and if he's not able to go five then he might be they might be better off just having him try again at the um beginning of next season in spring training and on maybe even honestly i wouldn't be shocked if you if i were them If things do not continue to go well, put him down and then plan around having him to start next season.
2: Yeah, I I hope he pitches well enough to stay on this roster. Oh, me too. Certainly sending him down would be, you know, a very big choice to make because, I mean, that could completely ruin his confidence. Depending on you know how you bring him up, whether or not you maybe put him in the bullpen for a little bit, not no. to really no, I'm not saying like a one inning role, but you know as a as a follower, you know throws four or five innings here and there when he needs to, you know as the long guy, that's just like worst case scenario. But I think he still has it. He has a lot of talent. I mean, like I said, he's a first round pick for a reason. He's a top five prospect in the organization that has a very good farm system, anyways. So. You know, I still have faith in this kid, certainly. You know, we certainly can't make any overreactions when he's only thrown nine innings in the MLB.
1: No, I just, you know, I think I worry. Again, Brandon, I see what you mean about the confidence of getting sent back down. However, in this case, I I fully believe that there's such thing as being David Card in baseball. Yeah. Where... He got absolutely obliterated in his first couple seasons with Houston because they had no offensive line, and it completely ruined his confidence on the field and his ability to play the game and grow if he- If he were to continue to struggle, that's going to kill him as much as sent getting him sent down good, if not more, just getting hammered away at by major league hitting time and time again, he might be better off just getting more time and experience and reps down there. So, I mean, we'll certainly have to wait and see. However, I, I just think you, you definitely want the best for a guy like Logan Gilbert, and if that's the way it ends up being, so be it. But, yeah, 74 pitches concerns me very much.
2: On the Marlins and the Phillies. Top two, the Marlins get on the board first with a Brian Anderson home run. Top six, Adam Duvall, extends the lead to 2-0 to on a double. An Andrew McCutcheon home run would be rebuttaled by a Jazz Chisholm single. Miami walks away with a 3-1 win. Trevor Rogers gets his sixth win on the year and looks very good doing it. Seven and two-thirds innings, five hits, one run, and eight Ks for the rookie. The loss goes to Zach Eflin, now two and three on the year. Six innings, six hits, two runs, and six Ks. Yemi Garcia gets his eighth save on the year, going four outs tonight. And these two will meet again today. Sandy Alcantara versus Vince Velasquez.
1: All right, Brewers Royals. After going into the seventh inning with a lead, Jorge Soler's home run let a run on the Brewers bullpen that they gave up four earned runs and Kansas city wins this one over Milwaukee six to four. Give the win to stop Barlow. Brad Keller started this game and went five and a third of an inning allowing three earned runs. The loss will be given to uh, JP Fireisen and Corbin Burns went six innings allowing two earned runs and nine strikeouts. Give that save to Josh Stalmont in his fifth.
2: All right. Uh, on to the, to the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. Eduardo Escobar continues his great season with his 10th home run of the year to make it 2-0 Arizona. Bottom four, Yoshi Satsugo, a recent trade acquisition for the Dodgers from the Rays. He hits a single to put L.A. on the board. The Dodgers get three runs in the bottom of the seventh to take the lead. They got a Will Smith sack fly uh, and then an error right after the sack, uh, like uh, during that same play, which scored two. And then a Mookie Betts double to make it four to two. The score the LA wins by. Joe Kelly gets the win. Clayton Kershaw goes six innings, allowing two hits, two runs, and eight Ks. Joe Mantiple gets the loss out of the Arizona bullpen. Their starter was Matt Peacock, five and a third, four hits, one run, and four Ks. And Kenley Jansen collects his ninth save on the year for LA.
1: All right, we've got the Astros and the A's. The Jose Altuve home run started a big day for Houston. Yuli Guriel uh, drove in four runs, and the Astros win this eight to one. Give the win to Zach Granke. He went eight innings on one earned run and eight strikeouts. The loss will be given to Frankie Montas, who went five innings on two earned runs and six strikeouts.
2: All right. Last game on the night. That is the Pirates and the Cardinals. The Cardinals score six in the first two innings. They got two RBI hits from Paul Goldschmidt and a plethora of other hits. St. Louis controlled the game the whole way. They gave an eight to five win. LJ, Jack Flaherty is now 8-0, six innings, four hits, two runs, and seven Ks. What a comeback season for him this year after kind of struggling in 2020.
1: I mean, you know, it was one of those things where I went from like, hey, he's all right to not really caring about Jack Flaherty. But there was also this entire sect with the MLB fandom that decided that Jack Flaherty was like the most overrated player in the league. And it was just like, It was such an overreaction. I couldn't believe my eyes.
2: The loss to Trevor Cahill, one and five on the year now for Pittsburgh. And Alex Reyes gets his 13th save on the year. All right, LJ, it is time for the PPP particular players. People should slash might care about. Uh, I have three and you have two. So I will go first. Uh, Corey Kluber, pretty self explanatory. No hitter, only walks one batter. Uh, for someone like me who watches pretty much all 162 Yankees games every year, or at least is able to catch a portion of each game, uh, it is very cool to see my team throw a no hitter. Uh, you know, I figured it that it was coming at some point these last few years. Uh, You know, it does kind of suck that it's in the year where kind of everyone is throwing no hitters, at least so far. But I'm happy to say that Corey Kluber did it. Uh, Really, really cool story with Kluber, especially his first game back against the Rangers uh, in Texas after only throwing 20 pitches for them in the 2020 season. So,
1: yeah, uh, Corey Kluber, uh, have a night. What do you what do you what do you mean you could feel it coming? Did, did, your, did has your sciatica been acting up for the past couple seasons? So you fi- you figured a no hitter was coming?
2: No, it's been twenty years. I mean, it's been your
1: your, your knee your knee hurts every time a no hitter is going to be coming in the next couple seasons.
2: Yeah, I'm a psychic. for a I, while. I just know. I just know.
1: Ramsdramus. <laughs> um. Anyway, where were we? Oh, you want to go your second or me? Oh no, you can take it. Oh yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to group both of these together. Um, Zach Ranke and Lucas Giolito, both eight innings of really phenomenal ball, well-pitched ball tonight. And again, I feel like there's so many guys, which again, partially is, has to be given credit to the poor offense this year. However, there's a lot of guys that are having good to good or above average seasons that just don't get talked about. Zach Greinke kind of fell off the face of the earth after having a hot first couple weeks, and just his name hasn't uh, his name hasn't been uttered. I feel like in about three weeks, so I wanted to make sure it was said. Lucas Gilio had his uh, a few bad starts in the middle of April. One in particular, I was attending. It was it was it was pretty terrible. But he is still a top of the line pitcher and shouldn't be forgotten about. Another part of what makes the Chicago team so scary. Brandon, I mean, I, I liked them going into the season, don't get me wrong, but I'm blown away by how well this Chicago White Sox team has played to start of the year.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if for, for those of you who follow my Twitter, I had some very choice words for Tony LaRussa today. Um, but this White Sox team is like arguably the best team in the league right now. MLB.com put them number one with the Red Sox, number two in their power rankings this week. I mean, the White Sox have the best record in the American league, a plus 73 run, run differential, which is the best in the AL and the national league is the best in the entire league. So yeah, the White Sox have played really good. And LJ, un, to speak on a Lucas Giolito, that's a guy who got rocked up by by Boston. I'm pretty sure you were at that game. Yep. right? And he had a rough first few starts of the year, but he's just too good of a talent to have not turned it around to to you know not turn it around at some point. And he did exactly that.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, he cannot be forgotten with just how deep this team is. I mean, you. We're sitting here talking about Giolito. However, the conversation we haven't truly gotten into yet and is going to happen to happen sooner or later is who on earth is your playoff rotation for Chicago?
2: Lance, it's got to be Giolito. You've got
1: six starters here that are off the charts.
2: Wow. that's I mean, like you got to have Giolito. you got to have Lance Lynn. Those two are locked. Yes. to me rodon is interesting because it's a it's a lefty of course mm-hmm. this has been very good uh kopech has been very good mm-hmm. am i am i missing someone
1: uh dallas keichel
2: <laughs> keichel another lefty yeah a guy who we talked about too wow They're, you know we talk about how the la dodgers and padres are deep with pitching uh LJ, how about that bullpen that the White Sox have to mm. crochet, uh, you know, now they got Liam Hendricks there, they got some weapons there. And if uh, my man, Tony Larusa could manage them and, you know, be able to hold the clubhouse together without it falling apart by June 1st, uh, I like their chances. It's just, you know, the way LJ, gotta- you know, I just need to make one comment on this and I'm sorry, but. What he said up to about Lance Lynn today, Lance Lynn came out defending his own teammate, Yerman Mercedes, pretty much. What out did his he, say? he said, here, I'm going to tell you exactly what he said. He said hey. something.
1: Oh, wait, actually, can I, can I make my statement first? Because it's going to make things a little more clear for this whole section. Sure,
2: And let's try not to get into first take again, because we do need to, uh, Keep the pace of the show going yeah but you know we have
1: we've over the past couple days we've had a worse pace of play issue than major league baseball (laughs) um no what i'm saying is first off i just got genuinely pissed off over your disagreement with um overall sportsmanship policy that really more drove me yesterday to the point where i hadn't really stopped to actually think about what you were saying there how do you not defend your guy i don't care i don't care what all right first off again i say german mercedes was wrong to do it he was wrong to to defy his coach coaches also another thing on a point you made yesterday um with the base base thing running through the a stop sign those guys get 120% get chewed out every single time they they do it and they and they screw up.
2: You know, I honestly think that when Acuña ran through it and scored, I'm sure someone said something to him about it and he
1: scored. I'm sure I'm sure they said something to him about it. However, again, if Yearman had swung through that and missed, it's not made nearly as big a deal of.
2: No. However, it's
1: the, fa- it's the fact that he carried through with the action that was viewed as wrongful. Like, that, in, what, what I'm saying here is the home run is considered a failure. A home run in this situation is considered the same thing as if Acuna had been tagged at home. Tagged going home. Like, they're going to be traded the same way. However, that's still no right to go out and not defend your own guy. I mean, this is a team that you're supposed to be going to war with for another four months and you're supposed to get them through a crazy long six-month season like you have to have their back you have to show you care about your team I'm not even sure how to put this into words but it just it shocks me that you wouldn't stand by your player now that I actually think about the fact of what he did
2: Yeah. So the two quotes that really got to me, the first one is when he called Mercedes a classless rookie. It's in the press conference. That was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, okay. Second of all, I'm going to read this tweet. It's from Chris Emma, who is, uh, I believe a Chicago radio, Chicago sports radio host, something like that. Lance Lynn last night said, quote, there are no rules when a position player is pitching, adding, the more I play the game, the more those unwritten rules have gone away. Tony Larusa said of those remarks, Lance has a locker. I have an office. I don't agree. Marcus Stroman responds to this tweet and says, I'm riding with Lance Lynn all day. TLR is stuck in the past. Life is about adapting and moving forward. Uh, LJ, I was reading some Chicago White Sox forms today online. I, I was on the Chicago White Sox subreddit just reading the overall fan reaction. The entire fan base has turned on Tony LaRussa, And it is insane considering that they are one of the best teams in the league this year. I was finding out stuff about Tony today that I couldn't even believe. Did you know at one point this year during an extra inning game, he had the runner on second base be a pitcher because he didn't know oh, yeah. he could sub him out for a pinch runner? Yep. How is that possible? How does that happen, and how does not one of the bench coaches tell him, hey, you know, you can put Billy Hamilton, who's on our bench, you know, you can pinch run him at second base, right?
1: I just, you know... There's two spots here. First off, uh, with the first, um, quote you mentioned there, those two words are both correct reactions. If said separately. Yeah. <laughs> like you can say, all right, he's a rookie. This was a boneheaded mistake. He shouldn't have done this, but he, and he he did it because he's a rookie. He'll learn, or you can say it was classless we're going to have a talk about this as a team and in the locker room privately. And we'll do this, but to call him a class as rookie, it goes from a justification of the mistake and, and a path towards correcting it to just a flat out insult. I, I firmly believe. And in most scenarios would agree with Tony La Russa in what he's saying here about swinging on the three Oh pitch. However, so, so, and so from that standpoint, I understand the fact that he is coming, he was originally coming at this and in his head is coming at this with purely the correct sentiment. He was trying to do the right thing. However, as he keeps doubling down and doubling and tripling down, he is just, he's doing the wrong thing every step of the way now.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you remember Jace Tingler last year when Fernando Tatis hit the grand slam, yes, he was critical about him in the post game press conference, and you know people were then critical of Jace Tingler, but that was it. Tony has doubled and tripled down here so many times, so much so that you know I was reading today that a cor- apparently some beat writers of the Cardinals in like the early 2000s, mid 2000s, came up with a theory that. Tony intentionally is a dick to the players and turns his back on the players because then it gives the players one platform to unite because they all hate the manager. It gives them a way to be closer, which the more I thought about it, like the more is a genius strategy. Also, like, I feel like it's not that hard to be a nice manager like why do you have to be a dick because I've read a lot of stuff that says he's not been well liked throughout his entire managerial career so he's not being a nice manager because
1: it's a lot easier to lead in the way he's doing it than it is to lead in the way that others have done it who have great respect from their team it's a lot easier to do it in the same way that Jason Kidd did it in or that's not gonna that's not I'm trying to think of uh, I'm just trying to think of coaches that have been beloved and forgot to also make sure they were good coaches, but Alex Cora, again, just bringing it back to the Red Sox, everyone in that, that group loved him and not having him with that team last year, the difference was palpable. The chemistry was palpable. The feel all around that t- surrounding that team was completely different without Alex Cora. It wasn't Mookie. It was Alex that was the driving force of the culture shift last year that's now shifted back you can have a coach that is actually good and actually cares about the players i'm going to take this another step further and do what i love to do and just spout theories out of nowhere i mean i think particularly back to his oakland teams and i'm blanking on the guys names however there was some interesting characters on those teams
2: yeah yeah
1: some of which, kind of got that you know, a holy showboating vibe. Yeah, from at least within within the history of the game.
2: I mean, is I it possible they can Seiko, Yep, Reggie Jackson and Mark McGuire on his on the same team?
1: Is it possible? Again, I I, I didn't live it. I didn't watch it straight out. However. Is it possible that some of that persona is a byproduct of Tony La Russa being the sort of um, media puppet master here? Because, I mean, he's turned a 3-0 pitch where his player got plunked in the majority, in the majority of situations like this, because this does happen once or twice a year. However, he's kind of got made a big deal about it, that whole thing. However, the majority of the time, the guy gets hit and they're done with it. Everybody's over it after that. But he has now made this into a three-day media circus. There, my, my theory here is there is no, there, there is a possibility that he has kind of created such big big outlandish media stories that it's actually painted other players in a worse light like it kind of is
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that Yurman, at least the general public, doesn't have a problem with it. I watched Trevor Bauer's video today. He did a whole breakdown on this and said that, of course, you know, he's going to take the player's side. It seems like the pitchers are all taking a Yurman's side, which makes me feel good because it makes the position player point stick. But I think that's enough on this. You know, we went long on it yesterday, went long on it today. I'm uh, glad this is. Hopefully, there's no more stupid comments, and we don't have to talk about this because I hate oh, about be. stuff like this. It's not productive to the game. It's just dumb stuff.
1: It's dumb. But but it's a fun media story. It gets it is attention. very
2: fun though.
1: It gets attention. It's good for the game. Therefore, it, right. it grows the economy. <laughs> grows the economy. <laughs> uh,
2: all right, my next guy is Fernando Tatis Jr. Came off the IL, hits a home run, hits a double, triple shy of the cycle today. Uh, Yeah, has been really good. Also, I think it should be noted, still leads the league with 11 errors, according to StatCast, <laughs> is in the first percentile for outs above average. So, I mean... Well, that
1: reminds me of something.
2: I'm not sure what's, what's, what's happening with his fielding. I mean, he's been hitting the ball, exceptional. You know, that 959 OPS is very good, but first percentile and out's above average how you're in the ninety fifth percentile for sprint speed you how, how like how could you i just i don't know it's weird well, when you're
1: ma- when you're making that many errors I mean that's going to happen all right so I just checked again to make sure it wasn't like an error in the system before Brandon have you seen the uh Taking a good look into Devers' um, defensive advanced stats. Is it bad? No, 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 It's kind of freaky because, of course, I wasn't like a baseball Second savant. Percentile outs above average makes sense. No, 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 Brandon. It gets it gets weird. I wasn't a big baseball savant person or really like super stat. Uh, uh, advanced stats up until rather recently I'm kind of new to the game and so I kind of knew that Rafael Devers had a much improved um junior year in the league from a defensive perspective I didn't realize how good it was and how weird a drop it's been first off I will defend him here the eye test shows a lot better than his outs above average does at third right now it's been it's been there there has been some horrific errors however the majority of the time it's been fine brandon it's showing here 98th percentile and outs above average in 2019 wow i i i, I I've, I've i've checked this now multiple times throughout the day i don't think it could be a difference yeah 13 outs above average in 2019 minus 10 in 2018 minus 6 in 2017 minus four last year and minus four this year. How do you have that different a year?
2: You know, I think also the fielding stats, it's still like, it gets processed better and better each year as we get more, more batted ball data from each game. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's interesting how they work. You know, you have to take it all with a grain of salt because while the stat cast one might show that he's been really good in 2019, Fan graphs might show it really bad and vice versa. So it's it's weird. Yeah, but I mean
1: from a from a uh, normal um normal numbers standpoint, it was probably his best year actually, um, fielding percentage-wise, second best only to this year. So I mean, the stats are there that he had a terrific or not, I mean, not necessarily, not necessarily terrific, however, solid at least 2019 at third and just has completely fallen apart over these past couple of years. Again, further supports my theory of trying too hard. Um, my next guy, I'm going to do this quick, just because we kind of already know the drill. It's the Nelson Cruz Home Run run Watch, presented by LJVP Lafira. Brandon, Nelson Cruz hit another home run today. Can we get a round of applause? Thank you. That'll be all for today.
2: Alright, uh my last one, LJ. I don't know if you've been keeping up with Yasmani Grandall lately, but no. I'm gonna read through a couple of stats here, and you are gonna be he's gonna be your new uh favorite guy to check his stat line in the box score every night. Ready? First one highest three true outcome rate in May. 81.3%, Yasmani Grandall. 81.3%. Three true outcomes. The next closest is 58.8%. Okay. Highest on base percentage in May with a sub 200 batting average. Yasmani Grandal with a 542 on base percentage in May, and he's hitting 167. He has the second most walks in the league this year and the 314th most hits. And Has an OPS plus of 117, and he's hitting 139 this year.
1: Yeah, that's okay.
2: (laughs) He is a walk machine. Like, he has already had 34 walks this year and has only struck out 27 times. He's the first player in White Sox history with three four-plus walk games in a season, and it's only May 20th.
1: So, if I'm correct, that is triple the amount of hits he has.
2: He has this year eleven hits and thirty-five walks.
1: And that shouldn't happen.
2: Hit four singles this year. Four. There's been more no hitters than Yasmani Grandal singles.
1: He's hit more home runs than than singles.
2: It's 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 truly amazing.
1: That's just that's just weird. I don't like that.
2: All right, let's get on to the leaderboards and then. That we'll makes get me
1: uncomfortable, people. Brandon. Why did you have to tell me this?
2: <laughs> uh, war for hitters. We have a tie between the two injured superstars, Byron Buxton, <laughs> Mike Trout, at two point five. Close behind them is Vladdy Junior at two point four. And Xander Bogarts at 2.3. For the pitchers, Garrett Cole at 2.6. Corbin Burns and Jacob deGrom at 2.2. And a new third-place member, John Means, has fallen out. Zach Wheeler at 2.0. LJ, I mean, you talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Actually, maybe, maybe only like a week ago about how we said he's the best pitcher on that uh, Philadelphia staff. He's proven it.
1: Hmm. and I, I hate to say i'm right but i'm right
2: we are right on that one yeah at least we,
1: fun, for now well, i don't remember you being all all on board nearly as much as i was i was
2: no I, I wasn't on board because Aaron had a 10 war season in 2018 which is you are
1: really sprint like i i'm i'm standing there waiting on the caboose of the, waving to you on the caboose of the train and you are bringing yourself as fast as you're skinny little legs can carry you down the train tracks and barely just barely jumped and grabbed the edge of the railing okay i'm considering mufasa or uh, scarring you and throwing mufasa off the side of the train at this point but i'll leave you on for now let you dangle
2: for the relievers uh Aroldis chapman matt barnes are tied at 1.2 and james karenchak behind them at one Home runs, Shohei Otani with 14. Ronald Acuna with the walk-off tonight, that gives him 13. RBIs, Trey Mancini with 38 and leads the league. Yuli Gurriel with 36, trails him. For doubles, we have a two-way tie between Yuli Gurriel and Brian Reynolds with 15 apiece. And then for wins, Jack Flaherty, 8-0. and He has eight wins. The next closest, there's four pitchers tied with six wins. That's going to do it for the leaderboards. LJ has one last thing that he wants to talk about, and then uh, we can get out of here.
1: Yeah, check me out tomorrow night. I'll be recording with the Pesky Report going over uh, tomorrow's game and the series against the Blue Jays. Make sure you check us out another member of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network family. Um, Very excited for that. That should be a good time with Brad.
2: Yes, and when that is out, uh, we will be posting that on our Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. If you're not following it, what are you doing? That's where we are so active on social media. We get to reach out to you guys. You guys get to compete in our trivia competition. Uh, Of course, today, uh, is is Thursday, so another question will be up there for trivia.
1: Uh, My goal is to have more than two people answer correctly today.
2: Well, hopefully that is the case. And to find the question, of course, go to at MLB Daily Pod. Give us a follow. Give the podcast a nice rating. We really do appreciate those. And um, make sure you're following LJ and I on Twitter. He's at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiore, And I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. Of course, Belly Up Sports at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast on Twitter. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Have a great Thursday, everyone.
1: See you manana.